Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. We hope that this message inspires you and brings impact to your life. Enjoy the message. Psalm 78, as you're turning there, so I want to just read one scripture, Genesis 41, 52. It says, in the name of the second, he called Ephraim, for God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Then we get to Psalm 78, verse 9. And it says, the children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt in the field of Zoan, divided the sea and caused it to pass through, caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as in heap. And today he led them with a cloud and night, with a light of fire. He clave rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink as of the great depths. He brought them out of streams also out of the rocks and caused water to run down like rivers. Yet they sinned more against him by provoking the most high in the wilderness. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning on this, this title, The Story's Not Over. The Story's Not Over. Would you put your Bibles down? Would you lift your hands to heaven and ask God to speak to us through his word? Heavenly Father, we love you. We're so happy to be in your presence today. So thankful for another opportunity to worship you. I pray, God, you would move in this house today. pray that you'd help us to hear your word. Not only to hear your word, but be a doer of the word. I pray, God, you administer to each and every person in this place. Let your glory fill this house. Minister and work in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Praise God. You can be seated in Jesus' name. We could have gave an altar call when Brother Jones finished up with that Sunday school lesson. We could have gave an altar call and, they, and God would have moved in this house. What an incredible word we heard during the Sunday school portion of this service. I, I had to sit there a couple times because I have different opinions on what the greatest miracle Jesus did was, but that was a good one. It was a good one. I would argue that the uh, the ingredients for that miracle was there because there is an empty pot, and anytime there's an empty pot or an empty vessel, the the ingredients are there for Jesus to do it. But I that has nothing to do with what I'm preaching. I just wanted to throw it in there. I did preach a message in Carrollton not too long ago on this title, the human element of every miracle. Because Jesus, in every miracle that he did, there is a human element that he allowed humans to take part in. And so whatever you have need of in this house today, if you respond to what God says and you respond to the word of God, your miracle's in this place. And I believe there's a miracle in this house today, and I'm thankful for that word we heard this morning already. And if it ain't no better from this point, go when I give altar call, go back to his message. Whatever it takes to get you in the altar this morning. But it was the... Uh, 2004 Olympics, and I, I'm not a, you might, I'm, you might be surprised by this, but I'm not a big fan of men's gymnastics, but Paul Ham was the American that was the favorite to win the gold medal in the gymnastics that year, and men's gymnastics, from what I, from after I, after I read the story, I had to study a little bit, there's like seven events that make up the all-around gold medal for gymnastics. Paul Ham was the number one male gymnast in the world, and he was by far the favorite. After the first three events, he had an incredible lead on everybody else. 
He was already in first place. He was already cruising toward the gold. And then the fourth event came, the vault. For those that don't know what the vault is, you run down an aisleway, you jump off a trampoline, you hit a, you hit a beam of some sort, you flip through the air, and you try to land on your feet. I just summed up gymnastics for you. And if you see me flying through the air flipping, I probably fell from somewhere. But Paul Ham took off running. He ran at full speed. He hit the trampoline. He hit the vault. And he over-rotated in his flip, and he ended up landing in a seated position, almost falling completely off the platform. And in that moment, he went from first place in the world to 12th place in the overall standings. He went from the announcer saying he's a shoe-in to win the gold to the next breath, the announcer saying, there's no way Paul Ham can do what he set out to do in this Olympics. In one moment, everything changed. That one little thing changed everything in his life. And so, event five came. He won event five. Event six came. He won event six. And going into the final event, his, his best event, the, the high bar. Again, it's a high bar. You jump on a trampoline, grab it, and flip around on it. In the high bar, he came in as the favorite, although he was still in fourth place, and they were saying mathematically they did not know without a perfect score that he could get even onto the podium, let alone win the gold medal. And Paul Ham gave his best effort on that high bar, twisting and twirling and flipping and flopping and sticking the landing. He looked up to see a near-perfect score. And when they final tallied it, Paul Ham won the gold medal the 2004 Olympics by 12 one-hundredths of a point. Because it's not how, it's not what happens along the way to you that matters. It's how you finish. He started out great. He had it all going. But he had a miss-up in the, in the middle. But he finished stronger than what he ever had before. Ephraim in the Bible had it all together. He was the second child of Joseph. He was the one that was blessed. He was when Israel was dying. He's the one that Israel crossed his hands and put his right hand on Ephraim's head, the youngest child, and blessed him. And when Joseph tried to correct him, Israel said, I know what I'm doing. The great, the, this younger shall be greater than the older. Ephraim had it all together. We read that Ephraim was there when they crossed through the Red Sea. Ephraim was there when the water flew, flowed out of the rock. Ephraim was there to see the, the Jordan River. And Ephraim was there to see the walls of Jericho fall. Ephraim was there to see the miracles happen throughout the wilderness. He ate the manna. He, he saw everything that was going on. Ephraim started out great. But something happened in Ephraim's life. And it begins to be explained to us through the Old Testament. But I've always heard it preached in Psalm 78, Ephraim backslid. Ephraim turned around. It said Ephraim turned around in the day of battle, being armed and carrying bows. It says that he gave up. He had all the tools necessary to win the battle, but Ephraim turned and went the other direction. And as I began to study this out, I found in Hosea chapter 7, he doesn't have great words for Ephraim. 
In Hosea 7, he says, in verse starting in verse 8, Ephraim, he hath mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is a cake not turned. Strangers have devoured his strength, yet he knoweth it not. Yea, gray hairs are here and there upon him, and he knoweth it not. The pride of Israel testifieth to his face, and they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seeketh him for all this. Ephraim also is like a silly dove without heart. They go to Egypt. They go to Assyria. When they shall go, I'll spread my net upon them. I'll bring them down. What what an indictment on Ephraim. Here we read that the psalmist says, Ephraim turned around and went the opposite direction they should be going. And we get to Hosea. In the three, there's three chapters in the Old Testament that stick out in, in regards to talking about what God is going to do in the last days. And it's Hosea chapter 7, Joel chapter 2, and Zechariah chapter 10. But in Hosea chapter 7, he talks about how Ephraim is mixed himself among the people. Ephraim is like a silly dove. A, a bird with no, no backbone, no strength, no courage, and no heart, it says. But he says, Ephraim, oh, what an indictment it has on Ephraim that Ephraim doesn't even realize his own weakness because of everything that he's done. And Hosea lays out this picture of Ephraim's departure from the presence of God. And I began to think, Ephraim, what could have gone so wrong in your life? What could have happened to you that you did, you went, You started out so good, and then you went so backwards. You went so sideways. And all of a sudden, it hit me. Hosea says he's mixed himself among the people. He's forgot what he came from. He's forgot the calling that was on his life. He's forgot the the anointing that was placed on his life. He forgot the blessing that was prayed over him. And all of a sudden, he just said, you know what? I'm going to try to do it my own way. I'm going to mix myself among the people. I'm going to get involved in things I should never get involved in. I'm going to do things I should never do. I'm going to walk into places I should never walk. I'm going to forget holiness, and I'm going to just start following after the things of this world. And I'm going to mix myself. What this tells me is I mix myself with the wisdom of the world. He mixed himself among the people. And it talks of his departure and his issues. But then in Zechariah chapter 10, we read in verse 7, And they of Ephraim shall be like a mighty man, and their heart shall rejoice as through wine. Yea, their children shall see it, and be glad. Their heart shall rejoice in the Lord. I said all that. I said that about Ephraim messing up, and Ephraim going backwards to say, Zechariah tells us that Ephraim's coming back home. Through all the problems, through all the failures, through all the backsliding, through all the worries, through all the stress, Ephraim's coming back when God calls him back home. Takes me to takes me to Luke where we read about the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal tells his father, says, give me my inheritance. He says, in my eyes, you're dead to me because you don't get your inheritance until after the, the father's passed. He said, in, your, in my eyes, you're dead. Give me my inheritance. And let me go live my life. And he goes and lives his life. And when all the money is gone, when all the riotous living is gone, he finds himself in the pig pen eating the husk of corn that even the pigs wouldn't eat. But he shakes himself. He started out right. He was in the father's house. He got messed up along the way. And he went out on his own. 
But when he came to himself, he said, I got to get back to my father's house. Because in my father's house, the servants have it better than I have it right now. I've come to preach to you this morning a simple thought. Your story's not over where you're at right now. I may not be there yet, but thank God I'm not there no more. I may not be where I need to be right now, but I'm going somewhere if I can just get on the right track. I may have messed up along the way, but I'm going to get up again. Rejoice not against me, O oh my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. I've come to preach to you in Sparta, Illinois, that there are people in this house this morning. You're judging where you're at in God based on where you are right now. But what you need to look you, you need to look into the hills from which cometh your help. Your help's fixing to come from the Lord. You're fixing to get restored into things you've never thought you could be restored unto. You're fixing to these things happen in your life that you never thought could happen again. But it's going to happen when you get back to where you you need to be you can't mix yourself with this world and come out like you're supposed to come Hosea calls him a cake half baked I like I like to bake once in a while my mom my mom was a baker She's always baking something I like so I like to I like to dabble in baking I'm better at eating than I am baking it but in in doing so there's nothing more disheartening than cutting into a dessert that's not done. Cutting into something you cooked and spent hours only to find out it didn't set up right. And there's, he says, Ephraim is a cake half-baked. Ephraim's worth nothing in Hosea's eyes. Ephraim is just a, something you throw out to the garbage. We would take it, we'd throw it over the fence at our house to let, the, to let the, the animals come down from the hillside and eat it. It's not worth it to us to eat. And Hosea is saying, Ephraim has messed him up so, so, messed him up so bad that he's not worth anything. And he's talking about the end times. But Zechariah says, the way I see it, Ephraim's coming home. No, he ain't worth nothing right now. But Zechariah says, I don't see him as he is right now. I see him as he's going to be when the Lord gets a hold of him. There are things in your life right now that you've already, you've already got them in a discard pile, and you're ready to throw them out. You're ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But I've come to tell you today that there's a restoration coming. Hold on to those things a little while longer. Go feed the calf another night. Go feed the calf another time in the barn because Ephraim's coming home. Ephraim wasn't backslidden. Ephraim was the prodigal son. Ephraim wasn't gone forever. Ephraim just had to come to himself and realize that, hey, it's better off in daddy's house than it is in my house. It's better off with the father than it is off with the others in the world. I have to tell you this morning, if you'll get yourself restored unto God, he'll restore everything. He won't pick and choose what he does for you, but he'll give you everything according to his riches and glory. He's not a God that lets you go by the wayside. He's a God that picks you up, and he's a God that puts you right where you need to be, and he'll answer you when you call. But I go back to what we heard in Sunday school this morning. Bartimaeus, had he shut up when they told him to shut up, he would have missed his time with Jesus. The disciples, when they were being tossed about on the, on the sea in the storm of their life, the Bible says he would have passed them by. 
if they had not called out to him. I've come to preach to Ephraim this morning. And I'm, I'm done already. You can stand. Witness a slight miracle. Don't tell the folks in Bedford, Kentucky. But you don't have to preach long when the Holy Ghost is in a place. If you'll call out to God and you'll, you'll desperately seek the face of God, he's in this room. He's a restorer. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. Your story's not over. Your story's being written. It's just time to turn a new page and let the author write. I'm reminded, I've read before that famous author giving an interview. He says, they said, what is your process for writing a book? I wish I remembered his name. It's not in my notes. He said, I always write how I want the book to end. That way I know where I'm getting to. And then I go back and I write how I write, I write and decide how I'm going to get the point, get them from point A to point B. I'm telling you, you serve the author and the finisher of your faith. He's got the pen in his hand. He's ready to write your story. You decide how that story is being written. He knows. He's writing. But in the, on that next page, there's a, page there's, a, there's a paragraph that says, on May 21st, 2023, I made the decision I needed to get back to where I needed to be in God. So I came to the altar and I lifted my hands. And I asked God to forgive me of all the silly things that I've done. And when I lifted my hands and thanked him for repentance, he refilled me with the Holy Ghost. Or he filled me for the first time with the Holy Ghost. And I was baptized in Jesus' name. And I feel like a new man or a new woman, a new creature in Christ. That story can be written this morning. And then I'm, rem I'm reminded of the little boy as his daddy walked past him reading a book. The little boy was sitting there scared. He said, every time he turned the page, the little boy said, oh, you're going to get it. You're going to get it. Oh, you're in trouble. You're going to get it. The dad comes in and says, son, what are you doing? Every time you turn the page, you say, oh, you're going to get it. He said, dad, it's my favorite Western. And I was watching that old cowboy get beat up and shot at and kicked at. And I got scared. So I went to the I went to the last chapter and I read how the story ended. And then I went back to where I was in the beginning. And every time they would shoot that gun at that old cowboy, I'd say, Oh, you gotta get it. And every time they'd kick him while he's down, I'd say, oh, I already seen it. You're going to get it. He said, and now I'm not scared no more. I can read the rest of the book because I know how it ends. 
I don't know how your story ends. But I know how it's supposed to end. Your story is supposed to end with giving yourself to God. Quit mixing yourself among the people. Quit trying to be something you weren't ever called to be. And give yourself back over to God. And let God be the restorer of your faith. He's the author and the finisher. But he's also everything in the middle. The Bible says he's the Alpha and the Omega. He's every other letter in that alphabet. When it says he's the beginning and the ending, he's everything in between. That's why he says he is which is and which was and is to come. I can't worry about what was. And it don't do me a lot of good to worry about what is to come. That's going to change if I get my mind right in what is. This present trouble is not the end of your situation. You were never designed to die in your dilemma. You were never designed to stop where you are right now. One old country songwriter, I don't, I don't listen to country music. That way I keep my truck and my family and everything else. But one old country writer said, if you're going through hell, just keep moving. You might get out before the devil even knows you're there. But too many times we stop in the middle of our hell and we want to build a monument to what we're going through. And then we wonder why we're getting burned up. I've come to preach to you this morning. This is all I came to tell you. And we're going to give altar call and I'm going to get out of the way. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. I got to go through the valley of shadow of death every once in a while. And thy rod and thy staff, yeah, it means I got to get corrected and I got to get cleaned up and I got to get chastised. But thy rod and thy staff, that'll be a comfort to me. Because the correction of God is better than the wrath of hell. And if you'll give yourself to God today, he will restore you this morning. He will, he will put you back together again. You aren't Humpty Dumpty. He can put all the pieces back together again. I want to open this altar up. I want to open this altar up as I turn the service back over to your pastor. But somebody needs to respond to the word of the Lord this morning. Come on, you've heard it twice this morning. God can make something out of nothing. And then you heard you don't have to stay where you are. And if you stay where you are, that's on you. That's not on God. But the time has come that you respond to this, to this calling right now. And you get to this altar. And you lift your hands to heaven. And you give yourself to God. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those that give generously to this ministry. If you would like more information, please visit our website at landmarkapostolicchurch.net. But have a great day and God bless.